I'm preaching on faith today. No, I'm preaching by faith today because I studied for a message and this morning, uh, God, you know, he has a way of changing things. <laughs> and so I don't know how to come out, but I'm going to obey the Lord. I know that's the best thing to do. But I, 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 before I read a scripture, I'm going to say a lot of things. But first thing I'm going to ask, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that we need in our lives. And uh, this is what Paul asked the disciples in the 19th chapter of Acts, and I'll read that just a little bit later, but there were many, there were many in Jesus' day that didn't believe in him until later. After the Holy Spirit fell, then there were multitudes that followed. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost were saved. Think about it. 3,000 in one day. That's more than the church gets saved in America in a week or two, probably. But 3,000 were born again after the day of Pentecost. There's many reasons to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's no way that I can touch all of them today. But is it is the church or as the religious area in Jesus' day did not believe in him until later. There are people that are saved in the religious world today and they don't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they, of course they've got preachers that's preaching against it and all these things even as they did for Christ. And they, See, people are the same always. You listen to me. They're the same always. They may look a little different, talk a little different, have a little different, but I'm going to tell you, people are people. And you've got those that's going to fight everything that God does, and you've got those that's going to accept everything that God wants us to have. And that's, that's what I, the Lord been started dealing with me about because i tell you something. I, I was, when I come up in Pentecost, when I got saved and went into the church, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying this as condemnation. I'm just telling you what we need to set a goal. But I want to tell you, when we had church, we had church. And nowadays, when churches have church, they'll say, oh, boy, didn't we have a good service? It wasn't that way with us if we didn't have a good service. You understand what I'm saying? When we didn't have a good service, so God didn't move. Many times we started coming early before prayer. I mean, before the service, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and pray for the service. What I'm trying to say to you is what the Lord is saying to me. We need to get back to worshiping him in spirit and in truth and letting the Holy Spirit move in our church and in our life that it will draw sinners in. You may think it'll run them away, but it will draw them into our church. We cannot just live a, a normal life as Christians. You might live it out there for your life, but as Christians, we need to get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And the person that excites us about him is the Holy Spirit himself. He is not a it, he is a person. And we need to realize that today, and he can dwell in our life. I got about six statements I want to make, and it said, first one is, 
It's a separate experience from salvation. Now, you do have the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you when you get saved. I mean, you know, it's, he's with you, but it is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is an entirely different experience. Uh, I've seen and heard of those who get saved and immediately receive the baptism. That's very, very, very rare. I, I remember in a service, and I've told this before, but my first cousin's wife, and I'm sorry I can't remember her name. Sometimes I don't even remember mine. But nevertheless, uh, she come to church for the first time in her life. She was raised by alcoholic parents. She'd never been in a church until she married my first cousin, and he wasn't saved. But his mother got her to come to church. And when the preacher preached, he gave an invitation to come to be saved. And she knelt down, and we gathered around her, and he explained about salvation. Then we started praying with her, and the next thing I know, she's speaking in other tongues. Come on. See, God baptizes. We don't baptize ourselves. That, that's something that stayed with me all of my life. It's not a time thing. It's a desire thing. Statement two, even though we speak in another language not known to us, this is not what we seek after. A lot of people emphasize the speaking in tongues and it should be emphasized, but not a whole lot. Amen. God will take care of the tongues or the language. And when it says other tongues, it only means other languages. There's so many things that, uh, that I could talk about today. I'm trying to push some of them out of my mind and get what God wants out. But, but see, there's nine gifts and nine fruits of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues is one of the gifts, but there's eight more. Sometimes we emphasize tongues so much, that's all we do. Come on, that's all we receive. But I'm telling you, get in your Bible, in 1 Corinthians, you'll find out there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we should, we should desire whatever God wants us to have. But you know what happens to us? And I'm just speaking as the Lord gives it to me. What happens to us when we get the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongues? We think we have arrived. But I'm here to tell you, you have not arrived. You are just getting started in the way that God wants you to go. You're then open to His calling, and you're open to hearing the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into all truths. I love Him. Praise God. See, the Holy Spirit was sent to do the works of Christ all over the world. Jesus was limited. He was in a body just like you and I are. He'd perform many gifts. And I'll tell you something else. You might not understand this, but Jesus Christ didn't do one miracle until the Holy Spirit came in his life. And he did that for an example to us that we need to let the Holy Spirit come in our lives. Amen? Say, say amen to it because it's true. Oh, me. Jesus had all the gifts, 
but he was limited to where he was. We read about where he went on the mountain. We read about where he went to Samaria. Well, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. And that's why God, one of the reasons why God sent him back to us where we can do the works of God all around this world. I, I haven't got to it yet, but I, I'm going to try to get to it, but I might forget it, so I'm going to tell it now. There's five, and you listen to me, New York Times, I mean, Washington Times put out in their religious uh, part of their paper about five or six years ago, and they started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and stuff like that. Of course, they didn't understand everything. They just right. But they said there's over 500 million people who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this world. That was five years ago. I want you to think about it. Why? Because God wants us to get the gospel out to this whole world, and the only way we can do it, and the only way they can be led is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's, there's many, many things I could talk about today to tell you what all it does, but time will not allow. When the Holy Spirit came, when Jesus came, they, they rejected him. The religious people rejected Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. They knew he was Christ. But what they didn't want to happen is have their little apple cart upset. They wanted to stay the priests. They wanted to stay all the positions that they had. And if they had accepted Christ, they would have had to move into a different order, which was the, the church. And there's a lot of people today that will not accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're afraid they're going to lose their position. I can name you Baptist pastors in this community. Now, you think I'm going to say something bad, but I'm not. I can name you Baptist preachers that are either here or been here that has the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why they don't teach, preach it in their church. I guess they'll turn them out. I don't know. See, when the Father's here, they didn't recognize him. When Jesus came, they didn't recognize him. When the Holy Spirit came, they rejected him. Statement number three, the Holy Spirit is for us today, and it's not just for the apostles or the 120 in the upper room, as some say. I debated a man one time about the Holy Spirit, and he didn't believe that it was even here anymore. He said it left when the last apostle died. Of course, I made him look like an idiot with the Scriptures. I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit is here today. It will be the Holy Spirit's power that sweeps over the cemeteries and over our lives and gives us a change for the rapture of the church. Come on. He is here today, and he's here to meet our needs today. Hallelujah. Statement number four. Do we receive the Holy Spirit baptism when we get saved? Not as some people teach. We have the Holy Spirit with us when we get saved. He speaks to us. He talks to us. He tries to lead us. 
But that is not the baptism. The baptism is to endue us with power to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I said, to have some of the gifts. I don't, I've never met anybody but maybe one or heard of but one man had all the gifts. But I want to tell you, we need to stop, and I'm repeating myself, but we need to stop selling just for speaking in tongue. Come on. There's people out there that need heal in their body, and we need to let the gifts of, of the healing work in our lives. We need to seek God for those things. Yeah. The working of miracles. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You listen. You read your Bible. When was there a great crowd beside the day of Pentecost? What caused people to come to Jesus? Because of the miracles. God is still a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. And he wants us to heal, but we have to believe and we have to live. Yeah. Now, when you're sick, it's very hard. So that's why he said, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What's one of the gifts of the Spirit? Faith. Now, I know we have a faith that people believe to get saved, but I'm talking about a faith that touches God for other people's lives, that makes the doctors shake their head. Come on. It's saying in my notes, but I'm going to tell you about first, second church. We started down in Calera. And we was in a service station and they cleaned it out, made a church out of it. We probably had about 35 or 40 people at that time. And we was in a Sunday night service. And uh, one of the ladies in our church, uh, I don't even know what her, her husband's background was. Uh, he was raised in the church of God, but he was a heathen. He didn't get saved. You can be raised in any church you want to, but you got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, she had cancer. She had five malignant tumors in her stomach. Five. And they biopsied them. They took x-rays. They'd done everything, and they said she had them, and they'd have to be removed. And during the service, the Holy Spirit was moving. Hello? And when we had prayer, she came up for prayer, and we gathered around her, and we prayed for her, and she went back. Now, we had about like one, two, three, four, five, six pews on each side. And uh, anyway, she came back. She went back, sat down, and she said, can I testify? And I said, sure. She said, I know the Lord has healed me. Said a warm Feeling just went all the way through my body. Well, her husband made her be operated because he didn't believe in nothing like that until he had a stroke. So they operated on her, and they were gone. Some people say, well, she never had them. Yeah, God always leaves a little evidence because I don't know what the things are called that holds the tumors, but all five of them were still in her body. I'm telling you, God is a healer, 
And we need to let the Holy Spirit work in our services where people can get healed. We, 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 we're trying it in the natural. And God works in the supernatural. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I don't know how long I'm going to preach. Statement four, and I touched it already, do we receive the Holy Spirit baptism when we get saved, but not as some teach we do. The Holy Spirit is with you, but there's a separate experience. Uh, 19 years after the Holy Spirit was poured out, Paul went to Corinth, and there, there he found people there that wasn't saved. I mean, they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Philip was a deacon. Now, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Forget about Paul. Let's talk about Philip. Philip was a deacon in the church. He was not an apostle. Listen to me. You don't have to be a preacher to pray for the sick. You don't have to be a preacher to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't come to church to hear a good sermon. We come to church to bless our Lord and let him fill us and refill us with his Holy Spirit. You say there's a refilling. Yes, if you'll just read the book of Acts, you'll find out. He'll refill you and refill you and refill you. Come on. As many times as you will allow him to. There's so much persecution in uh, Jerusalem that many of the people had to live. In fact, all of them just about left except the apostles. In Acts 8, 5 through 13, it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people which one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. He wasn't an apostle. He was one of those seven that they chose to wait on tables. You know what I like about that? It don't make no difference what your position is in the church. You can do what anybody else does through the power of the Holy Spirit. We all can work and do what God wants us to do. And it said, And the people with one accord gave heed to what he spake. Philip spake, Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsy, and they that were lame were healed. Now, I, I want to say something, and it's it, it, kind of my deal, but nevertheless, there's still people demon-possessed. The demons just act different than they used to. They don't want to be recognized. They want to use that person in the times when they want to use them. But I'm telling you today, God has given us power. Hallelujah. To cast out devils. And he's also gave us the a discernment of the spirit where we can tell what's real and what's not real. 
That's, that's wonderful. Hallelujah. He said, but there was a certain man named called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery to bewitch the people of Samaria, giving out himself as some great one. I wonder if that's a sign of being a demon. Possessed, I don't know. To him, they had regard because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. Well, you pardon me what I'm going to say, but I want to tell you something. There's a lot of churches. That's what they do. You listen to me. I'm not talking about any particular church. But I'm telling you, there's churches that hardly ever mention Jesus' name. They don't have altars where you can come down and get saved. Come on down and join the church. Someone put a little water on your head and the others will baptize you. But I want you to know something. This relationship with God is something personal. Hallelujah. And if you, in a place where you don't hear the truth, find you a place where they are telling the truth about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It said, and to him they give regard because of a long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. I like this little short word, but... When they believed Philip's preaching and the thing concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Now listen, having a hard time turning pages. But said Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondering and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which was done. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, whom when they come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. How does a people get in the pulpit and say, oh, I got that when I got saved? There's so many scriptures that's going to tell you different. For as yet, he was falling upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. I had a good friend of mine. He was a Baptist preacher, pastor of New Jerusalem Baptist Church. And uh, I don't know how I got acquainted with him, but I started going down to his church. I learned one thing. When you went down there, you better be ready to preach because he'd have you preaching. That's the way he was, but he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you how he got it. All of our experience with the Holy Spirit are different. I want you to hear it. Ours is different. I could ask you to stand right here and tell, and I guarantee you every one of them is different. But he worked at U.S. Steel, and he had to work over two hours, and he went up to change clothes. He said he took off one of his shoes, I think he said, maybe both of them, I don't know. And he said he bent over and he said, God, if you've got anything else that I don't have, I want it. And he said that he woke up in about 20 minutes, 30 feet from where he was, and he said, I was speaking in a language that I didn't know. Amen. I want to tell you something about him. He preached it. Yes. 
I remember one year I run into him and one end of the summer and he told me he'd been, he'd patch his shirt but he'd run revivals. And he told me in that summer period, he said, Brother Jerry, over 300 people come to Christ. I'm letting that sink a little bit. Because most churches wouldn't have 300 saved in the lifetime of the church. I was praying today, and I had been asking God, I, I, I want God to send people in to help, don't get me wrong, but I've been praying God send us sinners in that they can be saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we are here. We're not here to get numbers and see how much money we can take up. You've heard me tell this a hundred times, and it's going to be 101, because I remember when the church started growing, and it started filling up, or, you know, most everybody sat right over there, and one there, and one there, and one there when I got here, 23 people. Five came with me. And... When I started to counting, God rebuked me. I got about halfway through, and he, you know what he said to me? You've heard me say it, but I want to remind you of it. He said, do not count. It's not about numbers. It's about souls. And that has stuck with me the whole time. Sometimes I'm so tempted to count. Hello? If it's down, I'm tempted to count. If it's up, I'm tempted to count. But it's about souls. You know, if the church world would focus on that, we'd see many, many more people come to Jesus Christ. But no, we stop, we stop the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking about Pentecostal churches. We stop the work of the Holy Spirit and took us up a program. Come on. I'll tell you what I liked about Bayview Assembly of God. When you come to church, you didn't never know what was going to happen. That's the way we are to be. We need to come expecting God to move. We'd have testimony services where people stand up and testify and talk about the power of God working in their life. and That's an encouragement. I couldn't do that. I'd stand up and sit down embarrassed. And I reminded that to God when he said, I called you to preach my word. I said, I can't even testify, God. I don't work on to preach your word. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are. If he calls you, he'll qualify you. That's just the way he works. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. He takes that least in the kingdom of God and uses them. And I know why. Because we have to depend on him. Some of these people don't think they have to depend on God. You do have to depend on God in all things. Statement number five, 
even though we know that speaking in tongues is another language, and it is a physical evidence of the baptism, this is not what we ought to seek for. I'm telling you, I've been in it a long time. And I've seen many people get the baptism. And prior to that, they were seeking God and, you know, just wanting more of God and God will baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Then they just die out. I have arrived. Let me tell you when you're going to arrive. At the trumpet sounds and the voice of the archangel. Until then, hallelujah, we need to be about our Father's business with the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit with us. Come on, say amen to it. Thank God. We need to desire that third person of the Godhead to live in us and to guide us and show us the will of God. That, that is most necessary. I'm going to try to shorten it down a little bit because I, I got 22 pages and I'm on 10. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for one purpose, and that is to endue us with power to serve God. See, Jesus told the 120, no, if back, I back up, there was 500 when he ascended up, what the Bible tells us. That's another good point. Only 120 went to the upper room. I don't know what happened to the rest of them. But he said, go back. Don't start doing anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. Go back and tarry. And they did. And God filled them. Wouldn't it be wonderful that we had a move? And I know things are different. Back then it's all one city and hundreds of people everywhere. And today we're scattered out. But wouldn't it be wonderful we'd have a move of God's Spirit and we couldn't keep up with the people that come to Jesus Christ? We're not here just to have a blessing. First of all, we're here to bless God. Second thing we're here for is to win souls for Jesus Christ. And when you do those things, God will bless you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Statement six. I'm skipping some. You might not think I am. But the Holy Spirit baptism is for us today. And it wasn't just for the apostles. I hear that all the time. I want to tell you something. In the Old Testament, they fought against the Father. In the New Testament, they denied Jesus. And today, they're denying the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, no doubt about it. But I tell you, God wants all of us. Guess what? On that day of Pentecost, all 120 of them received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just think about it. I'm just asking us and myself too, let's, let's get filled with the Spirit of God and take this thing to Walmart and other places 
Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. But I will send you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And it happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 1 through 4 said, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Think about it. One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, locking unto fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Acts 2, 12 through 21 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? This is when they was out there doing their miracle work. And I'm telling you, when it was going on, they got outside with it. We need to get outside with it. They were in a house. Next thing you know, they're outside. They were still speaking in tongues. They were still praying in the Spirit. People started gathering around them. I can't tell you in the early days how many people come to watch a, the Pentecost, holiness Pentecostal people shout and run the aisles where they can mock. But a lot of them <laughs> ended up shouting and speaking in tongues. I don't care why they get here. Come on. Neither did God. Sometimes God does that that way. Whatever it takes to get them, he'll try it on them. Said others mocking, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with eleven said, Lift up, and he lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken unto my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. Now listen, there's a point there. We're going to act a little crazy sometimes as far as the world's concerned. Mm. Let me tell you something. You feel like doing something crazy here, do it. If you know it's God. Hello. Sometimes he tries us that way to see whether we're going to be obedient to him. There was a girl that married a preacher friend of mine. She was saved, and she attended a Pentecostal church up in North Alabama. And of course, she came down, and she was in our church. She was the quietest person you'll ever see in worship or anything else. And one day, she got up in the service and put her hand on her mouth like that, and started to walk in, and we thought she's sick or something. But she just kept walking around and around and around and around the church with her hand on her mouth. And about that time, the Holy Ghost hit her, and she shouted and run all over that church. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we broke out in a revival right then. I don't care who you are. You might be the quietest person in the world. But he knows how to get the joy of the Lord in your soul and cause you to worship God in spirit and in truth. Oh, hallelujah. Got where I was reading. 
He said, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and upon my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, prophesying means preaching and telling people about Jesus. And I will show wonders in heaven above, Signs of earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor, smoke. Now he's moving into the last days. He said, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great and noble day of the Lord to come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just then. It's now. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. Mm. There's five minutes right there. See, in our, I read about the latter rain. See, there's an earlier rain of the Holy Spirit, and then there'll be a latter rain. Now, somebody always has had the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, some of them that received it didn't have a clue. There was a Catholic priest one time, and he was saved, had to be, in the 1300s, went out to evangelize the world and tell people about Jesus. And he could not speak but his language. But, he sought God, and God said, go, and he went. And when he would get in another country, and people would gather around him again, then when he started preaching, he started preaching in their language. Amen. He didn't know what he's saying, but I'll tell you, when the Holy Spirit says it, it's okay. Right. And he went in country after country after country. God's always had men filled with the Holy Spirit. But around the late, or maybe late 1700s and the early uh, 1900s, God began to pour out his spirit. I know you all know about Charles Finney. He was a Presbyterian. He was a lawyer. He, uh, he led the music in the church, and he wasn't saved. He just did it because of his talent. Tell you something, throw your talent, talent away <laughs> and let God, He'll give you something a whole lot better or He'll increase your talent. Right. Amen. Amen. And uh, God got a hold of him one day in his office. Something strange started happening to him. And outside the city, there was a little hill and there's trees there. And uh, he said, you could always hear people up there praying. So he said, I think I'll just go up there. And about five hours later, he come back. And God had done a work in his life. And when he come back into his lawyer office, there was some there, and one of the one of the, uh, his church members come by and talked to him and he was crying and just really 
really having him a, a good time in the Lord, but he wasn't understanding what was happening to him. And God filled him with the Holy Spirit that night. And he began to speak with other tongues. And he woke up the next morning. When he woke up, he didn't sleep very long, but when he woke up the next morning, he began to doubt it. Then God poured it out on him again, so strong and so powerful. You listen to me. He started praying, God, stay your hand. Stay your hand, God. I can't stand any more of it. You don't know much about Charles Finney. He won thousands to the Lord. He was a great man of God. I know how the assemblies of God started. I'm not going to talk about that, but it was, it was just things like this that happened. And three Pentecostal churches, I think, come together and made the assemblies of God. But in a church of God, I learned what happened to them, how it started. There was a Baptist preacher who wanted all the churches to come together again. He, he didn't like the different churches. He said on Pentecost, I mean, on in Jesus' day, there are Paul and Peter's day, there's just one church. So he said he'd have a revival, and he asked two young Methodist ministers to come and run the revival because he was trying to draw the Methodists and the Baptists together. Well, during the service, at the altar call, people come down to the altar, and all of a sudden, a lot of them was speaking in tongues, speaking in another language. And they, they didn't know what was going on. They knew it was real, so they went and opened their Bible and got to read, and they said, man, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People say it's not for us today, but it is. Hallelujah. Out of that came a great Pentecostal church. Assemblies was similar to that. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There's two th ways we can find ourselves. We can find us drunk on wine. I'm not talking about but just things of the world. Or we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to, I'm going to try to close in just a minute, but I want you to know this thing is not done in might or power. Programs may get a number of people into your church, but what do you got? A number in your church. But when the Spirit of God draws them and God begins to save people, hallelujah, praise God, then we know we've been filled with the Spirit of God I'm going to read you something. I've skipped some of this, but I'm going to read you something now that uh, Gerald McVeigh, and I've read this one time before, but Gerald McVeigh several years ago emailed me this, and I read it one time. And it says, On a Sunday night, a Jewish man visited Oak Grove Assembly of God in Springfield, Missouri. 
and it was one of the largest assemblies of God in that city. That's where our headquarters is at. And he sat through the service, and at the end, when the people started to leave, he just sat there. And the senior pastor and his wife went over to talk to him. And they introduced herself to him, and they found out he was a Jewish man and a rabbi from St. Louis. He'd been visiting in Springfield for three weeks. He'd been going to all the different types of Pentecostal church. They witnessed unto him, and he decided that he had prayed the sinner's prayer even as he was not real sure that Jesus was the Messiah. So how can that be? <laughs> God does it like he wants to do it. You say amen? He prayed the prayer and started sobbing and went on for about 10 minutes. And finally, he said, what is going on? I've never experienced this before. And he sat there, God baptized him with the Holy Spirit, and he began to speak with other tongues. Oh, thank God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to shorten this thing. Let me tell you what really happened. He sat there for a pretty good while, and then he started talking. And then the Spirit come on him. He quoted Acts 1 and 8. As a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, he was forbidden to ever read the New Testament. I wonder why they did that. I know why. You do too. But he quoted, and they said, did, when he come back, he said, did you know you just quoted in the New Testament? Acts 1 and 8. He said, I didn't know I did it. He said, well, you did. Whew. And when he had another good blessing from God, he asked an, a question. Well, let me finish. He, he, he said, you know, I, I read, I've memorized 600 laws of the, in the Bible and verses that they had to memorize. And uh, he said, but I, I've never even read the New Testament. We forbid, as I said, they were forbidden to do so. Well, in a little bit, God just poured it out on him. Oh, he poured it out on him. And he asked an all-important question. He was making a statement about how wonderful the baptism was, and he said, why do y'all not tell everybody about this? They used to persecute us so much that we didn't, wouldn't even hardly tell who we were. Come on. They burnt churches. You don't mind not believe it, they did. I can show you a place where they burnt one down many, many years ago, but God built it back. They arrested a preacher, the his associates and his wife and put them in jail and that night they went and burned, burned the church. You know what happened? He went to the window of the, of the cell 
Now, you want you to listen to how God works. And there were more people outside that he preached to than he did in the church. And out of that came the church of God. I said a church, it was a, temp, it was a tent that he was in, they burned it. You can't stop God. You can't stop him. Stand with me, if you will. I didn't mean to preach this long. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want it, you need to come up. Well, I know it's seven minutes to 12, but God didn't go to lunch. He's still here. If you don't have the baptism, I want you to come up first. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, I, maybe everybody is, I hope. But as they play, you come on up. Then after that, I'm going to ask all of us to come up. And I want us to pray that God will wake us up and give us a revival that would touch this neighborhood. Can you say amen? amen? I like for us to have a revival that would fill the Baptist churches up. <laughs> Come on. Brother, I'll tell you, when we get a revival like that, we'll all believe the same thing, I can tell you that. And that's the Word of God. But if you don't have the baptism, I want you to come up. If you don't understand it, just come up and pray anyway. If everybody has the baptism, I'll assume. Now I'm going to ask you as a church, I want us to just come up. We're going to dismiss this way. Come on up. We can pray with these people. Come on.